Paul and Jane, and uh, good to be with you, everyone. My name's Josh. I'm one of the ministers here. And uh, if you were here last week, uh, you would know that we're looking at Mark's gospel, and we've seen uh, Jesus have a very mixed reception. Uh, I've experienced a mixed reception recently as well. I wasn't here last week. We were at a wedding on the Saturday uh, in Queensland, and uh, my brother grew a, a moustache for the wedding, uh, and so I decided to, to, to shave off the beard and just have the moustache. Now, there were mixed responses to the moustache. One response, and I don't want to name names, but I will. This was uh, actually Sarah Johnston, who some of you might remember, who used to be a student minister here. She was at the wedding. It was great to see her. Uh, and she came up to me and said, what's with the moustache? Most people said nothing, but I could see it in their eyes. They didn't say anything because they didn't want to be mean. But Sophie, my wife, thought it was great. Their response to, their, to that moustache revealed what was in their hearts. Sarah, a decent sense of style and the courage to speak hard truth. Sophie, blind love. <laughs> But it's gone. And unlike that moustache, Jesus' message and kingdom is unequivocally good. It's actually good uh, whatever way you look at it. See, Jesus has burst onto the scene saying the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God, if this is God's kingdom, if God is good, which we know he is, if this is his kingdom, if he's going to put things right, uh, surely this is something to be excited about. And we heard uh, Mark quote uh, Isaiah about what that would look like. Release of captives, sight for the blind, good news for the poor, justice, mercy, reconciliation with the God of the universe, all great things, right? But we've seen that as Jesus has gone about his ministry, what he's done hasn't been uh, positively received in all quarters. He's done a bunch of things that people didn't expect. He's taught with um, a, a new kind of authority, upsetting some of the existing religious teachers, He's healed people. He's driven out demons and told them not to say who he is. He's said provocative things like, I can forgive sin. And he's done provocative things like heal people on the Sabbath. So some people have seen this and thrown out their former lives and followed him. Some people on the other end of the spectrum are plotting to kill him at this point. And others are just sort of vaguely intrigued by what's going on and kind of are just, just finding out uh, what he might say and do next. But imagine if you're a disciple of Jesus at the time, if you're one of those people who's kind of started to follow him as the one sent by God, you're wondering, what's happening? This, this man who I reckon has the words of life, why do some people just completely not get it at all? Maybe I've got it wrong. What, what, what's happening? I think it happens the same today. Christians across the world are convinced and have been convinced for centuries that Jesus is the answer, that Jesus brings life, that following him is the best way to live, even as it's difficult at times. And yet, not everyone agrees with that. The message is often ignored. Christians are persecuted. Are we missing something? Maybe we don't think that, but maybe that's a bit how we feel sometimes. Maybe you're here today and you're wondering yourself, what is all the fuss about. And so this parable that Jesus tells at this point, uh, he tells us a story about uh, seeds sown on different 
types of soil. And this parable uh, explains some of that, but also tells us more about how this kingdom works, uh, how it's uh, been unexpected, how it actually does function. And this is something that we want to know about, right? If the kingdom is actually God's kingdom and it's actually good. Uh, So we're going to step through this passage today. We're going to look at the parable itself as Jesus uh, tells it. Then uh, the little interlude where he sort of explains the purpose of his teaching and then the explanation before we round out with, uh, I guess, some points uh, that we can, I guess, take away about the kingdom and our response to it. So we're going to look at the parable itself first. This is just in the first verses. If you're, uh, if you're following along, verses 1 to 9, uh, do, do follow along in your Bibles if you've, if you've got one there. And uh, this is uh, a story Jesus tells the crowd as they gather on the shore and he's out in, in a boat. So these are just people who've kind of come to find out what, what Jesus might say. And as we, we look at this story, I want you just to think what's emphasised in the story um, so what's, what's the main focus of the story? Because that'll be where the main message is. There's kind of lots of bits to it that you could cling on to and say, oh, I wonder what that means. But where's the emphasis that Jesus places? So um, he starts out, a farmer sows some seed. Now, the farmer, he only appears at the start. And when Jesus does get to the explanation, he doesn't really even explain who the farmer is. So he's probably not the point of the parable. And it's kind of unfortunate that many of us know this parable, perhaps as the parable of the sower, because the sower is just kind of beside the point. What this should be called, perhaps, is the parable of the seed or or the soils, perhaps, because he sows this seed and he he sows it um, sort of indiscriminately, just scattering it everywhere. And you might think, oh, this is a significant detail because um, that's not how I would sow if I went out to sow some seed. Um, But what he's doing, this technique of farming probably wasn't that abnormal at the time. I found out it's actually called broadcasting, as you cast the seed broadly, where we get the language of kind of television or Wi-Fi broadcasts, where it's just out there for anyone to tune into. But this probably wouldn't have appeared significant to the first listeners. But where there is quite a lot of detail in this story is about uh, where the seeds fall that don't bear grain. The first one is on the path uh, where there is nothing for it to take root in, like trying to plant something on a a highway overtaking lane. Uh, Birds come in and grab it and there's no grain, no harvest. Second, there's the seed onto the rocky place. Uh, Here it gets uh, scorched by the sun, uh, like trying to plant a a gum tree in like a two inch herb pot. It's not gonna work. Again, no grain. And then third, There's uh, this seed that actually starts growing promisingly well, but then gets choked out by weeds. I like to visualise lantana just kind of coming in and taking it out. Again, no grain. Then there's the seed that falls on the good soil. uh, And that's split into three. You've got some producing 30, some 60, some 100 times what's sown, which is is probably a, a, a decent crop, a better crop, pretty good, and pretty much the best crop that you could hope for, but not not necessarily miraculous. The fact that there are three could actually just match the three bad soils. Uh, The point here is that the seed has done what uh, the farmer wanted, what it's kind of intended for. So we've got this story of a farmer who sows in different places, uh, wanting a crop. Some places where he sows doesn't give any crop uh, for various reasons and he gets a good crop from this this one uh, part of good soil. 
And Jesus ends by saying, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now to us, this story probably sounds fairly familiar because we've probably heard it before. And um, in any case, we've just um, read ahead Jesus' cheat notes on the meaning of the story. So we've already got that in our minds. But imagine if you were hearing it for the first time, uh, whether this would all make sense to you, uh, what you'd make of it. Jesus' closest followers, his disciples and, and others around, they didn't understand. And so when Jesus alone is alone, they come up to him and ask him what's going on. Uh, in verse 10 there, it says, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. And so uh, Jesus uh, starts explaining. He doesn't explain the parables straight away. First, he explains uh, more broadly why he's speaking in parables, the purpose of parables. Uh, so read our, our second section here, if you look there, verses uh, 10 to 12. And so he tells them, uh, he tells the disciples and those who've gathered around him, the crowd's not listening in anymore. He tells them that the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to them. Now, if you're just reading Mark along from the beginning and you get to this point, you go, whoa, kingdom of God. That's actually the first time that's been mentioned since way back in chapter one. So you're listening, you're going, Jesus is going to tell us something substantial about the whole reason he's come. And uh, these guys, Jesus is saying, have been given the secret of the kingdom. What's the secret that they've been given? What, what do those listening to Jesus at that point, those, uh, little, that little crew gathered around him, what do they have? Well, what they have is they've started to understand what Jesus is on about. They've started to understand his kingdom, a kingdom that is so unexpected, so paradoxical, so upside down, that you wouldn't naturally just expect that to happen, where uh, you give up your life in order to gain it, where you, the king doesn't come with pomp, but he's, he's crucified in the end, where victory comes through quiet trust, not violent force. That's the way of our world. And where God's a human being, where the sins of the worst sinner can be forgiven at no charge, where the ones who look righteous... They're actually uh, on the outside because they're rotten inside. This is a kingdom that's really hard to get your head around. We've kind of become familiar with it, I think, many of us. But it's actually uh, uh, hard to contemplate. But this secret is to be shared. These uh, few gathered around Jesus have started to get it. And they've come to Jesus for more. But then to those on the outside, Jesus says he teaches in parables and he quotes uh, Isaiah 6. He says, that's so they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. It's a quote from Isaiah uh, chapter 6, as we read. And Isaiah was a prophet right before uh, God's people uh, were exiled, before God's judgment came on them. Uh, for consistently uh, not following his word, his good way for them. God's people had been warned again and again, turn back to God, choose life, but they hadn't done it. And so at this point in time, Isaiah gets this kind of strange commission to go and preach to the people good news, true words, but knowing they actually won't listen. And that, that's what happens. Isaiah preaches God's word to the people, but they don't turn back. And that's not uh, a problem with the message. 
that uncovers a problem with the people's hearts. It, it, it illustrates, it shows, it brings to the surface the fact that they are against God. And Jesus is saying, that's what my message does too. That's what my parables do. Some hear it and they might appear to be religious, appear to be on the side of God following him, but actually it exposes they're not on his side at all. They've got no interest in this true message about the kingdom. They might hear sound waves about the kingdom, but not take it to heart. For those who hear the parable, though, and want to find out more, Jesus is ready to explain, even if they don't understand it. For those who are disinterested in the parable, it reveals their disinterest in God and his kingdom, uh, and so their unwillingness to turn and be forgiven. And so having kind of explained the purpose of, of parables, Jesus goes on to explain this parable itself to those, that small group who've come to him, who want to hear more. And uh, the parable, uh, you've got kind of the parable and then this bit about parables and then an explanation of the parable. And uh, the parable is about the same thing that the, uh, the, the explanation, the, the, the purpose of Jesus' teaching is about. It's about the same thing because it's kind of constructed that way. Now, I was away last week, but I did listen to um, the sermon after. And I think Gavin refers to this kind of thing as a theological hamburger. Does anyone remember that from last week? I was listening at 1.5 speed, though, so I may have missed that slightly. But I, I think this is an example of one of these theological hamburgers where you've got the, the same topic being addressed in all parts of the hamburger, so to speak. So in, in the kind of the, the bottom layer of the hamburger in verses 13 to 20, Jesus gives an explanation of this parable that explains parables. So he says, the farmer sows the word, uh, the seed is God's message, words of life. And Jesus is in fact uh, doing this very thing as he speaks, as he says this parable, he is sowing the word. And uh, then uh, we see the categories of people who don't, uh, uh, I guess, reach the goal that the word is supposed to, to bring about in them. The first, where the word doesn't take any root at all. People who hear, but before they can uh, really comprehend it at all, it's snatched away by Satan, it says. Last week we saw that a Christian worldview is unembarrassed about the existence of a uh, spiritual world and that uh, Satan is real, though not as strong as Jesus. Um, and, and here he is uh, functioning to, to snatch away, uh, I guess, the message before people comprehend it at all. Perhaps the disciples, as they uh, listen to this part of the explanation, perhaps they, they think, oh, this starts to explain some people's reaction to Jesus. People who seem not even to give the message the time of day, maybe some people like some of the Pharisees uh, and teachers of the law who seem to dismiss the good news just out of hand without even properly, properly looking at it. Then there's uh, the rocky places, people who are uh, joyous initially, happy to hear about the kingdom at first, uh, but then uh, trouble and persecution on account of the word come. These are sort of external pressures uh, forcing their way on people. And so uh, the troubles reveal that actually uh, these people don't get the kingdom after all. They don't actually get how good it is. And if this hasn't happened already um, at this point in Mark's gospel, it will happen to some of those who start to follow Jesus soon enough. And then there's the, the, the uh, seed that is strangled out by the weeds. Uh, other desires are stronger. It's kind of internal factors. 
A bit later in Mark, we read of the rich young man. You might have heard of him. He comes in chapter 10, all excited about the kingdom. How can I be in the kingdom? And uh, Jesus, knowing that he loves money, challenges him to sell everything and follow him. And he can't do it. The deceitfulness of wealth has got him. And the message that Jesus says of the kingdom ends up showing what he values the most. So these three, these are unfruitful Uh, These are not what the farmer is aiming at. He wants the grain. And then there's the good soil. Clearly, uh, this is the positive example. This is where you want to be. A great grain harvest is the result. But Jesus doesn't actually say what the crop represents, which perhaps indicates that guessing at what it represents isn't important. The point is the good soil. So there's, I guess, three elements as we go through this parable that that I think are emphasised in the story and in Jesus' explanation. And we're going to spend just a bit of time on each of those, a little bit of further reflection on, I guess, the three main characters, if you like. Uh, They're not really, they're not people, but I guess they're characters in a a narrative sense. The seed, God's uh, word that kind of drives this story. And then you've got Character two, the bad soils, split into three. And then character three, the good soil. And so let's finish by just having a look at each of these uh, as we come to the point of what Jesus is saying. Well, the first character, the seed being scattered, shows us something about the kingdom. It shows us that the kingdom grows through words, through God's word. We've already seen Jesus Uh, illustrate this in his ministry. He's done healings and driven out demons and said to people, no, actually, I'm going to stop doing those things to go somewhere else to preach. Not in uh, Mark's gospel, but John calls Jesus himself the word. He is the communication that brings the message. God's kingdom is coming. He's making things right. So repent and believe the good news. That's the core message. Admit that you're wrong And trust God to save you in Jesus. It's about words. That's why Jesus says, listen, so many times. He uses that word or or others like it in this uh, chapter 4, 13 times. He says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. How does it work? How does the kingdom expand through words? Well, if you trust God's word, that's, that's faith. You trust in Jesus, and if you have faith in him, then you're connected to him. His life is your life, and his death counts for you. Your heart belongs to him. You put yourself under the rule of the king. You follow his commands. You start living for him and in his way, and so the kingdom grows. That's unexpected, right? For, for them, uh, in, in that first century, they thought perhaps the kingdom would come through violence or force, that it would look like geographical rule then and there. Or else perhaps they thought it would come through being religious. Uh, that's how the kingdom would come. And today, I wonder how we kind of think the kingdom might come or, or try to extend our kingdoms. What do we think are the important things uh, in our world Uh, to change, to make it more like it should be. We might think that it's about improving ourselves personally or morally. Or perhaps our hope is in uh, 
changing or developing governments and institutions that are more fair and more just and that ultimately get our world to be a better place. Perhaps it's through becoming smarter and more knowledgeable, uh, both as individuals and a society. As we uh, learn more and know more, we don't repeat mistakes of the past or we become more efficient for the benefit of everyone. I'm not saying those things are bad, but that's not what God's kingdom is about. Actually, the kingdom comes through none of those things. The kingdom comes through hearing words, hearing the word and believing. This is a kingdom of people, people listening to God, putting their king first in their hearts and obeying his commands. And other changes may well flow out of that and should flow out of that. But the key is the word. What does that mean for us? It means that we need to prioritize hearing God's word, really hearing it, not just as a matter of routine, but because this is how the kingdom comes. It's listening to Jesus uh, in a way that's not like listening to an airline safety announcement where you think, oh, I, I know all this. I don't have to listen to this at all. We're actually on a plane coming back from Queensland. And I've never listened to an announcement as much as when they were saying how to affix the seatbelt to the five-month-old Max, um, because that for me was super important. In fact, the whole safety briefing is important, but we, we choose not to listen sometimes. See, this is the important stuff, life and death stuff. Even if we think we've heard it before, Jesus longs for us to listen to him. And looking outwards, it means making sure that the message about the kingdom, that God's word, that's at the center of our strategy when it comes to what we do as a church. Now, it's, it's interesting um, in this parable, Jesus doesn't actually define the farmer, as I mentioned. In the Old Testament, God is depicted as spreading word uh, in Isaiah 55, for instance. In this context, it's Jesus who's speaking the word. I wonder if he leaves the farmer ambiguous so that it can also mean the first disciples as they spoke the word, whether it can also mean us as we speak the word today. See, God's offer of reconciliation through repenting and believing, that's what people actually need. This is what we have to give to them, the word. Well, the second character, um, the bad soils, uh, and they teach us that the word will be rejected by some, and that's actually not surprising. As it was in Isaiah's day, so in Jesus' day, so in ours. Because though lots of people hear it, it's not effective in lots of people. And so as the disciples, those early followers of Jesus, they look around and they see people rejecting Jesus. That's a tragedy, but it's not a problem with the message. As we see people rejecting him, it's not unexpected. In fact, the response reveals uh, someone's heart before God. It's not that the message isn't working. We should be saddened by this, but, but not surprised. For some, the word snatched away, people who hear it uh, but don't actually engage with it at all or who don't bother to look into it. Now, I'd imagine there are probably very few like that here this morning because well, you've at least shown up to listen to God's word today or perhaps you've been coerced or dragged along, I'm not sure. But uh, there's at least probably a level of interest with most here today. But for others, there is, there is interest, but external factors get to them at some point in their lives. It's the trouble, difficulty, persecution, that in their kind of calculation, 
means continuing on the way of the king is not worth it. They fall away because the roots are not deep enough. That could be people here. For others, it's internal factors that become too much. It's fear about the future or desire for more and more. Those things get distracting and ultimately take centre stage. That could be people here. So this is where it gets personal. Maybe you're wondering, which soil am I? Which soil is someone that I care about? Can I know? Can I change it? How do I know that I'm not going to get burnt by the sun or choked by the weeds? We'll come to our last character, our last point, the good soil. See, Jesus doesn't address here what makes the soil good and what makes other soil bad. He doesn't explain why the secret of the kingdom is given to some who come and seek him out or isn't given to others. And he doesn't try to identify who is who either. Uh, Amongst those disciples who were listening to him, uh, there would have been some for whom it wasn't sinking in. People like a rocky place, most notably probably Judas, who betrayed Jesus. But what Jesus does emphasise in this section, and this is what we need to hear, is what those who are good soil, those who have the secret of the kingdom, what those uh, people do. They listen. They're told to listen. That word is repeated, as I said, 13 times in this chapter. Jesus wants us to listen and to take it seriously. But here are some comforting truths about what that means. First is that the invite to listen and understand is inclusive. Uh, Back in in verse 10, uh, you'll notice that it's not just the 12 who come to Jesus and uh, hear the explanation. It's others around him too. The key is not what sort of person you are or who you are. The key is, are you coming to Jesus? Second, the invite is kind. It's an, it's an open invite, yes, but it's also uh, one that is very uh, generous. You don't have to get everything right straight away. Did you notice the disciples, they don't even understand Jesus' parable without an explanation. In fact, we'll see Peter, the disciple, deny he even knows Jesus. And yet Peter returns and he's accepted back again as he repents. The message was in good soil in Peter all along. So don't get hung up on who is good soil and who is not. We can't know anyway, but listen to what Jesus is saying. He's saying, come near to me, keep listening, seek understanding, apply what you learn in your life. Because Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God, a wonderful thing, something that is so worth listening to, uh, so worth understanding, a kingdom that is worth being part of. So we need to listen to him to understand what it's actually like, that it doesn't come as we'd expect, but comes through God's word, a message about Jesus as the king of the kingdom, that not everyone receives it or holds on to that message, but that's because it reveals a heart before God, that to be in the kingdom, to produce a harvest in the language of the parable means to have that message take deep and transformative root in you. And the way to do it is to come close to Jesus and listen, listen and listen. He he wants us to understand. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you so much that you welcome all sorts into your kingdom 
Thank you that it's not really complicated to be part of it, but that the King invites us to join him just by trusting his word. So please help us listen to Jesus. Amen.